Super. Well, um, Bryce, I'm really excited about the opportunity to have you here and talking to us today. Um, we have a bunch of people who can join us via LinkedIn Live. And throughout the course of this, one of the things I'm going to ask is for anybody who is in LinkedIn Live, please tell us where you're calling in from or where you're joining us from. We'd love to understand who you are and what you are. And this is meant to be an interactive session. So anybody who is on LinkedIn Live in the comment box, just uh, type, type where you're from. I just We'd love to know. Because throughout the course of this, I think you're going to pick up a bunch of nuggets of wisdom from Bryce as he's done there and some of the tears that he's cried and what he's how, how, how he's punched through things. So uh, I'd, I'd love to be able to give people more insights into what uh, Bryce has done. So Bryce, how are you doing today? <laughs> awesome. Wonderful Monday. <laughs> how are you? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so Bryce, I, our, our, our topic today is the idea of running a pest control company remotely. Uh, um, when, when I say that, you know, when we first talked about it over the phone, you kind of scratched your head for a little bit and you, and you kind of had some thoughts. When you talk about running a pest control company remotely, what, what first pops into your head? Well, I've got to start off by saying that that wasn't the initial intent. Um, the initial intent was actually from day one, when I started my pest control business, I decided that time was more valuable than money to me. Okay. And so from day one, I tried to find every possible way to automate, systematize, and most importantly, hire early in my business. Um, in hindsight, looking back, I think that actually helped me grow a little quicker than I'd, you know, would have would have grown alternatively and ultimately when I decided to move and run this business remotely looking back that's what kind of set up the entire process of being able to do that um, but to answer your original question I mean getting the numbers having the numbers and being able to actually digest what the numbers are telling me um, you know goes a long way and being able to manage it manage my routes from anywhere, um, manage my employees from anywhere. So I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say back to you what I just heard, because I think there's a <laughs> bunch of really interesting things there. Uh, first and foremost is, I, I mean, one of the things I'm hearing is that you kind of get to have your cake and eat it too, right? You're, you're running this company remotely, but you're managing your time at the same time, which is, I mean, isn't that kind of the dream to some degree? <laughs> Exactly. No doubt. I and, mean, you know, they, they always say, you know, if you can, can you leave your business? The definition of having a business is to be able to leave for three weeks and it, it grows, you know, not just stays the same, but grows. Um, and I, I think that's what I've finally created um, over the last, you know, year or so been able to actually realize that. So the, the intention wasn't initially to run it remotely, but the idea was how do I, your your time is super valuable. Uh, I mean, I, I think everyone should realize that about themselves. <laughs> you you can control money, you can control everything else, you can't control time, right? Yeah. So your time is supremely valuable. How do I maximize the utility for my time? Was kind of the, I, I think what I heard is sort of the first mind shift or sort of the mindset in terms of how you thought. Is that right? 
Absolutely. I mean, I looked around, you know, from a very young age, I always wanted to be a business owner of some sort. I wanted to be an entrepreneur of some sort and just never knew what. And, you know, pest control ultimately ended up falling into my lap. And over time, I fell in love with it and, and fell in love with the business side of it as well. But, um, but I looked around in the pest control industry and, and a lot of other industries, let's be honest, but specifically pest control and noticed that a lot of the owners were killing themselves day and night, at least six months out of the year, if not more, you know, the busy season, summer. Um, and I didn't want to do that. And so I, I don't want to start a business and just get out there and kill myself. You know, what, what's the point of that? If, if I can make a hundred grand and, and work 40 hours a week, or I can go work for myself and make 50 grand and work eight, you know, and work 20 hours a week, 30 hours a week or whatever. That was, was the dream, right? So, all right, how do I do that? And that's kind of the end where it all started. So you kind of started with this focus on my time is valuable and I want to make sure that at all periods of time that I am able to keep track of my time, limit my time. And that started to get you to start looking at the business by the numbers as in what's going on every day so that I don't have to spend all the time looking at things, the numbers kind of give you some of the story. Am I, am I saying that right? Yeah, not only that, but the opposite as well. Um, figuring out which numbers are important and not just looking at numbers for the sake of looking at numbers. Uh, that was another trap I saw a lot of owners fall into is they had all this data and all these numbers and all these metrics. But at the end of the day, what percentage of those numbers and metrics actually gave you what, what you were looking for, you know, actually gave you the answers or, or something actionable to look for and, and figuring that out. And then by any means, I still have a long ways to go. Don't get me wrong, but figuring out which numbers are the most important and focusing on those numbers is what ultimately enabled me to work, live 2000 miles away from my office and still have my office basically not skip a beat. So I want to pause for a second because uh, I think people have started already here a little bit about how you think about things, which I think is really important. But I want to tell them a little more about why I wanted to have you on here because I, I think just as I started to read through your bio and when I first, uh, your background, I started to understand who you were. And I, you know, it, it, it piqued my interest in terms of who you were. So I'm going to read a little bit here. I'm going to add a little bit because I don't want to read word for word, but you've been in the business since 2004, so you know about 16 plus years now, uh, and you've kind of touched every part of the business at this point in time from sort of the ground all the way up. You started the business in Utah in 2014, but you, you said what you wrote down here is 30 hours a week was, was the max that you wanted to cap it at. So from the outset, you're all, like, like you said, you're already thinking, hey, I don't want to do this all the time, but what is my real return on time investments is kind of how you started thinking about this from the outset. Um, so keeping that goal in mind, you, uh, you hired early, automated everything possible in the business. You moved to Raleigh in 2019 and you run it from 2000 miles away. Um, and, and your belief is that anybody can create a comfortable lifestyle, a lifestyle around their business if you have enough time. Uh, I don't know when we first talked, I really love the way that you kind of look at business as something that, hey, it's not this runaway animal all the time that I have to be fighting fires. 
it's something that I can manage actively. That's that that kind of resonated. With, how do you, how do you get there? I mean, how does someone who is already running a company? I mean, you didn't start out actively managing everything. I mean, at some point in time, you were fighting fires, weren't you? Right. Well, so let me give a little clarity to the the bio you just read. So I started in the pest control industry in 2004, but I didn't start my own business until 2014. Okay. So I worked for a handful of other businesses off and on for that 10 years between 2004 to 2014. And that's where I learned a lot of things, of course. But not only did I learn a lot of things I wanted to do, but most importantly, I learned a lot of things I didn't want to do. Um, you know, I worked for some of the big major players and was always baffled by how much they micromanaged every single action, every single thing you did. But I've always kind of been in that entrepreneurial mindset, you know, and once I moved to a company in Philly and was managing a company in Philly, Philadelphia, and <laughs> realized, oh, I see why this large company is micromanaging everything. Because if you don't, <laughs> there are a lot of employees, for lack of a better term, that do like to take advantage every moment they can. Um, and I think it's Dave Ramsey that says, you know, you, I never hired an employee in my life. I've always, you know, I wanted to hire a, a partner in the business. And so that's, that's been a big focus for me as well from day one of starting my own business in 2014. Employees show up late and steal things while they're there. You know, partners will buy into the vision and grow that vision with you. Um, so I haven't heard that quote before. Uh, your, your fundamental mindset is I'm not hiring employees, I'm hiring partners, right? I'm hiring somebody else who is, who thinks about this baby as theirs, just as, I mean, maybe just as much as you. Did I hear that right? Ideally, and there are some shortfalls with that for sure that I've, that I've bumped into off and on, but in essence, I've had both. I've had employees and I've had partners. I'll take partners every day of the week. Um, you've got to pay partners more for sure, but you want to pay partners more. That's the difference. Um, when I've had an employee, I, I always, always wanted to pay them the least I possibly could to get them to perform the most they possibly could. Partners, because they're being preemptive and they're being, they're seeing problems before they happen and correcting them before I even know about them, they're worth every extra penny. Okay, so I'm gonna make sort of a connection here, right? As you start looking at people as partners as opposed to employees, they're starting to proactively troubleshoot and diagnose problems as, I mean, it's not just pest control related. It's, I mean, how the business runs or processes. They're starting to come back and say, hey, I, uh, I, I see something here. I think I need to fix it. Is, is right. that, or, or something needs to be uh, paid attention to. And they're bringing that to the table as opposed to an employee who says, uh, you know, I did what you told me to. Is, is that kind of what I'm hearing? Right. Yeah, I mean, employees usually say, you never told me that. That's what employees say. <laughs> They're like, oh, it's only the third time I've told you that. My bad, I'll, I'll say 10 more times. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the I, I go as far as I possibly can to empower my partners in the business as much as I possibly can, almost to an extreme. Um, that's something I learned in, I believe it was four hour work week. I think Tim Ferriss is the author and he talks about 
uh, he told some of his employees or you know whoever was working for him that if the, the issue or the problem is under $100, you solve it yourself and let me know once it's solved. Um, that to me struck a chord, you know, because $100 problem, I'm not gonna lose sleep over. But if every employee is bringing you a $100 problem multiple times a day, that, that's gonna become an issue. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and before you know it, you're just a firefighter all day, just putting out fires and you're never actually getting anything accomplished working on the actual business. Um, and so that's part of it as well is just empowering them. So one, one thing I drill with my employees is they're going to bring me a problem. They have to bring me three solutions and I'll choose the solution. But what I end up doing is I ask them, which solution would you choose out of those three? And nine times out of 10, they choose the same one I would. But over time, they feel more and more empowered and come with me, come to me with less and less things. No, I do. I want to stop it. We've got a couple of people that joined on. So please chime in. Uh, I know there's a bunch of people watching. Chime in. Tell us, uh, tell us where you're from. Love to love to hear from you and hear who is on. Uh, and if you've got questions for Bryce, feel free to type them into the comments and the chat and tell us uh, what you're thinking. Uh, agree, disagree, have need some clarification. Trust. Uh, what you're doing there, Bryce, is you're, you're trusting those people. That's a hard thing to do. How do you make that? How do you how do you make that shift? I mean, you got these people. I mean, I, I get the whole employee versus partner thing. It sounds, in theory, it sounds fabulous. That's a hard thing to do. How do you? How does someone? Make, how does someone make that transition in the way they think? It is. It's a very hard thing to do, um, especially for entrepreneurs. I think because you you took the plunge, you went out and you created a business, took all the risk and, and risked all your capital and family life and your kids, I mean, everything that goes into that. And now you're gonna entrust that with somebody who can't do it as good as you, right? I mean, ultimately that's what you're doing. If they could do it as good as you, they'd go start their own business. Why do they need you, right? right? Um, but I don't know where I learned this. It was in a book as well. <laughs> but um, the enemy, I don't know what it is. Long story short, <laughs> there is such thing as good enough. And as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you have to be okay with good enough. Um, if you're always searching for perfection, you're never going to get there and you're just going to play firefighter all day long. And yeah. It's, it seems like perfection is kind of a moving target anyway, right? I mean, as soon as the enemy of great, is that it? Something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's right. I mean, you, you, if you've got a customer and, and, and their definition of perfect and your understanding of perfect are probably different. So you get to your perfection, not theirs. And that it's still not perfect, right? Right, right. So what would you take as a, I mean, kind of shifting this mindset isn't something that you can do overnight, right? You, you don't wake up uh, Monday, January 11th of 2021 and say, all right, I'm changing, change all of this, right? It, it takes time. Where does someone, how does someone start? Where, where would you advise them to start? I mean, uh, before I started my business, I was an avid reader. Um, one thing, that being a pest control technician enables you to do is be alone a lot of times with your thoughts. <laughs> and the mass majority of the pest control technicians around me were listening to music all day. Since 2004, when I was 18 years old, 
I never listened to music. It was always a book on tape, um, talk radio, uh, now podcast, you know, all the things that hopefully would make me better or teach me more or give me a greater understanding. Um, and ultimately that's what I credit it to, you know, the, is not making, basically making my vehicle or making my normal day a university. Uh, I didn't graduate from college. Uh, I went to college, had a great time, <laughs> but I definitely did not graduate. <laughs> uh, and I look around and, you know, because of the amount of books I've read, I, I feel like the knowledge is there now, now instituting it's a whole nother level, right? And I don't know exactly what you're asking me, but I think that answered it. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I think it's kind of an, an open-ended question because I, I mean, I think that journey that everybody's going to go on is going to be different. I mean, there might be some maybe guideposts. I mean, mile markers. I mean, driving from here to Disneyland, if you and I drive Disneyland, we'll pass some stuff that's the same, but we'll start at different places, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a little bit of what I'm hearing is that what kind of got you there is you started seeing some of the mileposts that other people had talked about in the past or what they've seen in their experience as you read books or listened to, listened to them talk. Is, does that sound right? Yeah, and most most mentors that I was listening to and thing would tell told me to, you know, get it get have a full time job and and build your business on the side, and as as it grows, eventually you'll be able to take that leap. Well, of course, I threw all that advice completely out the window. And at the time, I was living in Philadelphia. I just had a brand new newborn. He was born in in uh, January, and I moved two thousand miles to Utah. <laughs> two months later, so I have a two-month-old uh, newborn to start from scratch in a town I've never lived in, and start from zero. Completely Sounds like zero. a recipe for success. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. <laughs> um, but it forced me to, you know, either succeed or don't, you know. And and ultimately, I feel like I have succeeded. Um, everybody's definition is different, but I've got a you know great lifestyle business. And one thing that well, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, I mean, you're, you're just talking about this idea of how uh, you that may not have been the best time to have started things based on what advisors and mentors have told you in terms of keep your part-time job and kind of grow it on the side and then make the hop. You decided to throw all that away. I'm just going to make the hop. Yeah, I mean, I, I ultimately going through my head at that time, I still remember it pretty vividly. Is if I don't do it now, I never will. And so this this is my last last chance, my last opportunity to make a business work um, because I you know I've tried MLM companies and pyramid schemes whatever you want to call them off and on through the years and always had big dreams but never materialized into anything and a lot of that I blame myself mostly you know as it was you know I didn't put in the work that I needed to to be, make that successful but this I knew. As long as I, as long as it was enough time, if I had enough time, before I'd run out of money, it was going to be successful. So I sold everything, got my expenses to as low as I possibly could, and tr- tried to make it work. <laughs> and here we are. So when you and I have talked, we've talked about data. Uh, data is just a word that is. I mean, everyone, I, I feel like it's the word uh, that, I don't know, it, it's a word that people keep throwing around so much. 
and it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So maybe let's let's start with uh, my, my my question. Kind of changed just as I was talking to you. What does data mean to you? What it, what is it? What does it feel like when you think about the word data, based on what you've learned? So to me, especially you know over the years, is data has been nothing but what the reports spit out based on what I've input in. Right. Um, ultimately, data is not super valuable unless there's you know something you can do with it unless there's something actionable in that data um looking at you know my business and i'd say many of the other businesses i've talked with you know we've got trackers on all of our trucks we've got pest control software we've got the hr software we've got we've got all these different walled gardens or whatever words you want to use of a bunch of data but it's not really working harmoniously together very much and to make it actionable, a lot of times takes a considerable amount of time. And again, pest control specifically, that's where I can speak to the most. A lot of companies, including myself, will completely just ignore everything for six months, nine months out of the year, and then try to figure it out that three months in the winter before we ramp back right back up again and start all over again. And, and so it's just a constant what is this data telling me? I'm trying to figure out what the heck this data is telling me. So what, what I'm hearing here is that's this idea that data is this opportunity to um, uh, opportunity to understand what's happening, but it it doesn't tell you everything by itself. You you've got to kind of read between the lines a little bit. Is that is that right? Yeah, oftentimes. I mean, that's I think the old saying is you know. It, as a business owner, you want to work on your business and not in your business. And I think that's where data comes in. You, the ability to actually work on your business and pay attention to the data and correct accordingly or adjust accordingly. Um, unfortunately, you have to be in a special place a lot of times unless there's you know certain softwares out there that hopefully can do it for you. But I haven't found too many that do that for me, that's for sure. Yeah. So Let's, let's kind of talk a little bit more about that. Um, so people have got pest control software, they've got tracking software. How do they take that information from those various systems and actually change it into something that they can make action on? Did you read that in a book somewhere? No, well, no, I think that that's more of just experience in the industry. Um, again, going back to what we, we were talking about before is figuring out what data is most important, what metrics are most important. And when you combine this, this data point with this data point or this metric with this metric, what does that get you? Um, and for me, I don't know if you want it specific, but. Well, I, I mean, I'm just kind of curious uh, for others. I mean, if they're, they've, I mean, I think a lot of companies have a lot of information in a lot of all these different systems. Right. But I don't know, let, let's just pick an easy one, telematics or you know, fleet management, GPS stuff, right? Yep. I think a lot of companies have something in place, but I think a lot of people use it just purely to check and make sure that their employee went somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for me, we've used it, A, a customer calls and says, oh, your tech was never at my house, and he says he was. All right, well, let's pull up the GPS. Yes, it looks like he was there. Nope, he wasn't. 
So really, how much good did that telematics do you? Because are you going to sit there and fight with the customer on whether or not the GPS is lying? I can't tell you if the tech left his truck, but I can tell you it's parked in front of your house for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Um, so really, to be honest with that, the telematics for the drag tracking, we like the tracking because if someone decides to steal your truck or go do something stupid in your truck, hopefully you can find it. Or hard stops, fast accelerations, speeding. I mean, what else can it really give you unless you can combine it with your pest control software, you know, your your actual stop data. Right. I mean, that's what you were talking about, insights, actionable insights, right? What what decisions can I make? And if if it just tells you where the vehicle went, uh, that's not really an actual insight. It just tells you something kind of potentially happened. You're saying, how, how do you take some of that information where you can now start to say, all right, I can do this now as a result of that. That's the way you think about it. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I want to see was my tech actually at this stop for the proper amount of time? Was this tech driving carefully between those stops? Was he going the most efficient route to those stops? You know, not not going to the gas station to grab a snack six times a day between the stops, which is adding another hour or two on his route that I'm paying for, you know, that kind of thing. And running a company remotely, how does that help you by starting to see that? I mean, to me, I mean, to, on one end of the equation, that could just start to create a headache there because you've got all this information kind of coming in the door that you, you don't have. How do you balance that between information that is, I mean, the last thing I want is ten, uh, uh, the, the honey-do list, uh, for me at least, always seems to have more things on it than I can actually get knocked off. <laughs> yeah. How does, how does this not turn into a honey-do list? Well, I mean, in a way it kind of does, but um, my motto is kind of trust but verify, which is again why I'm hiring partners and not employees. Um, and so I have to be able to have a system to verify. And to be honest, I don't have that system yet. You know, there's, there's still a long ways that can go in getting better and better. But um, because I have automated and systematized and you know done everything so much to the point now that I've got the extra time that I can actually spend the time manually doing a lot of this stuff. But boy, would it make a whole lot more sense and money and anything else to be able to create a system that, you know, kind of combines those two. Um, yeah, and so, I mean, it, it's, it's there, you can do it. It's just not the easiest thing. <laughs> so you've done some consulting for companies in the past. Uh, where, where were most of those companies that you've come in and done some consulting for in the, in the pest control space? Where were they, and, and, and kind of based on what you've done in terms of running your own company remotely, what was that pathway? How, how did you help them out? What, what did you take them from and to? So there's, there's a few different ways to take that. The, the first thing you do, or the first thing I usually do when I go into a company is to try to get a hold of the P&L, to try to start there, or the profit and loss statement. Um, we want to start there just to see if there's any glaring red flags. Um, for example, you, you know, in the pest control industry specifically is our material, you know, there's a chemical we use or the product we use. Um, there's a pretty well-recognized percentage of how much chemical use you should be using for how much, you know, for each revenue, right? Okay. And so if that number's way off, let's start there. That's the easiest thing to fix in most cases. 
but um, the next thing I like to do is just to, to ride along with some of the technicians and see what recommendations they have. Because the people in the field oftentimes will know more of what's going on in the, on the ground, which they should, than, than any of the management, right? And then we work our way up to management and see where that, where they think all the issues are. And then we kind of work from there. But oftentimes, I think what you're asking is, oftentimes the, a lot of companies don't know what's happening or don't have the time to figure out what's happening. Um, and there's not a lot of automated tools, again, that I'm aware of that can kind of set that up for you. So you kind of come in, you kind of help them get a better, I mean, just starting with the PNL. I mean, I think the way I've always, I mean, being a, a data guy myself, I've always, I used to think that it was all about the numbers. Then I started to realize the numbers just support the story. So by coming in and looking at the PNL, the first thing is you're looking at a couple of ratios that you already have in your head, sort of market recognized ratios to see if the story is already going going off into left field or it's going in the wrong direction. Because now all of a sudden, if you start to understand where the story is through just P and, you know, profit and loss data, you can start to figure out if, if there's something already wrong with the story and now you can start asking questions. Is that right? Right, absolutely. And sometimes it ends up being you're too top heavy, you know, too much management for not enough revenue or, you know, and so let's start there. What do we, why do you, why, why do you think you need all this management? And sometimes it comes down to just a family business, you know, they're so overpaying and that's okay. All right, let's move to the next step. Yeah. Okay. So kind of come in, start to get a sense of what the story is. What does sitting with the technicians, how does that, uh, so you said PL first is I, I, I think what I'm hearing. I'm, I suspect there's some, this could change, but you start with the PL and understand that story, story a little bit. And then the next thing that you talked about was the employees and doing ride-alongs. How do those connect? Why, I mean, why, why is ride-alongs the potentially next step after that? Well, because ultimately the technicians are going to make or break your company in general. You know, if, if they're using 20% product cost on every stop, you know there's going to be a way to get that down. <laughs> you know, whatever those numbers are, those ratios are for you. Um, if your technicians are out there super disheartened and just hating their life and hating their job and they're just there because they're just trying to make a paycheck to make ends meet, there's a whole other issue right there, you know, that we've got to address. Um, I mean, there's just so many things you can find out in the field that ultimately are going to trickle up to the top of that company that you've got to just start, start to figure that out from there. So you kind of start to observe the behaviors of the techs or the employees, kind of how they're interacting, some of the choices that they're making, why they're making those choices. And ultimately, I suspect you report back to the management of that company, hey, here's some of the things that I'm starting to notice that might be, uh, and you've heard me use these words before, effective or ineffective. Is that, is that, am I getting that right? Yeah, I mean, let's talk about the telematics side. The technician can pretend to drive safe and pretend to spend 20 minutes per stop for about the first half of the day. But within a few hours, they'll fall into their old habits almost, you know, pretty quickly. And you're gonna see them real quick. Oh, that was a quick break. Oh, that's happening. Oh, that was a quick acceleration. Oh, it looks like they're going 10, 15 over the mile, you know, speed limit by the end of the day. Oh, they're only spending 15 minutes and stops when the 20 minutes is a requirement. You know, those things start happening towards the end of the day. 
and that's when you really get to see how the office is performing. So as a company, uh, we try to visualize a lot of those behaviors so that people can see that information. And I think what I'm hearing is that that is kind of the process by which you go into companies to help them understand what that behavior is. Because once they start to understand the behavior of the technicians, then they can start to say that that 20% product use or, uh, you know, just, you know, there's another graph I was looking at the other day and showed that's uh, an employee has a really high idle time compared to other employees. Now, that could be that it's hot outside. It could be also just the, uh, or, you know, whatever else, but it could just be that instead of planning their day at the beginning of the day, they're planning it after each visit. And, you know, that could, that could lead to another 45 minutes of service time that day, as opposed to just sitting in burning gas, right? Not only that, but when I hear that, I hear a whole different thing. Okay. If I, if I can monitor idle time over a period of time, let's say three to six months or, you know, whatever, and I can see what that tech's normal operating procedure is with a normal idle time, and then it shoots up, that tells me they're, they've got, they're having problems at home, most likely. Um, that happens all the time. I've noticed that, you know, when, when your idle time shoots through the roof, you sit, you sit down a technician and, and all of a sudden they're fighting with their wife or their kids in the hospital or, you know, their mom's sick or, you know, all the things that go into whatever a family, you know, problem is. And it's just slowing them down throughout the whole day or they're sitting in the truck talking on the phone a lot more. And, you know, so, yeah, I mean, something as simple as idle time can tell you a whole lot about your operations. So I, I'm, I feel like there's an elephant in the room here. Why does that, why does that matter? Why do I care if my, my, my tech's having problems at home? I just, I, I paid them for a job. <laughs> well, because ultimately you take, my, my motto is I take care of my partners, employees. The employees will take care of the customers and the customers will ultimately take care of the bottom line, right? Um, if you're not taking care of your employees, if you're not taking care of your, your partners in the business, why would they ever take care of your customers? And in a, I don't want to call pesticide commodity business, but let's be honest, in a lot of areas, it is a commodity business where you're not any better than the, the guy, the next guy down the street. The only way you're going to differentiate yourself is your people and the vision your people have bought into and believe in. And if you can't get them to, to do right by the customer, do right by the company, what are you doing? You know, you're, you're, you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. So I, I, want, I want to make sure that we're, I mean, we're kind of, I keep pulling on threads as I'm, I'm kind of hearing them from you and understanding more, but I'm kind of bringing this back to running a com company remotely through, through the data. I'm starting to hear that you're, it, with the data, you're able to start to see trends like with something like an idle time, how they've been trending over the last number of months compared to everyone else. You're right. starting to see, look, this, this guy's, this guy, gal, whoever else it is, right? Um, this partner in my company um, is, is having some difficulty. Now, in terms of the time that you spend on the company, that 30 hours or 30 hours or less that you wanted to spend, that's where you're spending your time now is starting to spend time on the employees and making them, the employees, the partners, making them feel valued, removing barriers and friction for them to do their job better so that you take care of them and then take care of the customer. That's what I'm hearing. That's the idea, no doubt, <laughs> you know, um, and, and ultimately for me, that's the part of the business I enjoy more than anything else, right? Um, 
business owners in general get a bad rep in this country. Um, you know, there's all the things you hear, but for me, if we can, as business owners, create more jobs, more well-paying jobs, more importantly, and what I like to say is even what, you know, what's the national average? I want to pay more than that. Um, and that's not just to, that, that, that's actually a pride point for me. I don't want to figure out what's the minimum I can pay my guys. I want to figure out what's the maximum I can pay my guys. Um, because ultimately that's what's going to give you lifelong employees, which saves you a whole lot of money to the bottom line than constantly having turnover. But more importantly to me, a whole lot, a whole lot fewer issues. <laughs> uh, when I'm 2,000 miles away, I can't have a troublemaker technician that's, you know, partner in my business that's constantly causing me heartache. You know, I need, I need people that are going to work alongside with me, not, not people that are working under me. Um, and that to, to full circle back to the data, I can't, I have no idea how they're doing or what they're doing without the data, because there's no way for me to follow them. There's no way for me to, uh, I mean, I guess I could call customers and see how they're doing. And there are ways we can do that, but the data is very, very important for me. But does this, Bryce, does this scale? I mean, it, uh, I mean, okay, let's say it works at five. Let's say it works at 20. Let's say it works at 55. I mean, can you run a company with 500 employees this way? I mean, uh, at some point in time, it becomes too cumbersome, does it not? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious, how do you scale a system like this? So, yeah, I think in the growth phase, especially early growth, it is, it is hard to, you can't, you know, grow a service company remotely by any means. You know, I couldn't have grown this without being in there. But ultimately, once that decision's made that that's what you want to build, you have to put the, the systems and processes in place or else you'll, you'll know you'll never double leave, you know. But um, I don't know, like, I think it's actually in the larger numbers, it's far more realistic than in the smaller numbers. And I'm doing it in the smaller numbers. Uh, once you get in the larger, I mean, you're, you're hopefully just managing your managers, right? Um, you're, or you're working completely on the big vision of the business and leaving that up to the management to manage. Um, so I, I, to answer your question, yeah, I think it is definitely ultimately scalable. So I've, I, I'll, I'll, I'll point at myself here. Um, oftentimes when I've run companies in the past, I was the biggest problem <laughs> right? Um, because I didn't see something the right way. And I thought, I, I mean, I, I feel like the, the, the phrase that the beatings will continue until morale improves may have been the way that I managed in the past. <laughs> right. Uh, that doesn't work because that means I just have to do more, more beatings <laughs> uh, and, and morale never improves. I think what I'm hearing from you here is that you're actually able to keep morale and retention high 2,000 miles away but because right. you shifted your mindset to where, uh, even though you're 2,000 miles away, it's a phone call. And I, I suspect it's a phone call is the way you communicate with your employees. Is that, is that kind of the end product? Is, I mean, that's is that kind of the outcome that you've reached? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I look at, dozens of pest control companies and the owner or the branch manager or even the service manager a lot of times never leaves the office. Uh, I mean, they leave the office to go home at the end of the day. 
So if you're never leaving the office, why can't you live wherever you want? <laughs> We've got internet everywhere. We've got phone everywhere. You know, I mean, that's ultimately what the decision was made with me is I, I looked back and I said, wait a second, I haven't left the office in two years. Why don't I go try out in a new city? Yeah. Why don't I go vacation a little more? You know, things like that. Um, and so I think a lot more businesses are there and don't even realize it because they won't get out of their own way, like you said. So how, how would you, uh, are, th are there books that you would recommend or are there ones that you thought that were of note or, or worth looking at as a way to start to shift? Because, you know, the, well, I mean, when you and I first talked and you said you run a company and then you told me it was 2,000 miles away, I was like, uh, wow, I mean, that's kind, of, that's kind of the way Facebook, that's the way sort of Zoom kind of, uh, you know, these gigantic tech companies, that's the way they operate. But you're operating like that at a, at a at not not fifteen thousand employees at least. Um, what what are there any particular books in mind that you recommend that people take a look at? Or um, or, or, or I guess I'm asking what what resources would you point them in the direction of if they want to start to make a shift like this? In my mind, it's more of a mindset shift than anything else. Okay. And the book that helps you, I mean, if this is in fact your goal, and that's ultimately the first question right I mean there's a lot of people who don't have that goal <laughs> they don't want to work remotely they don't you know they have no desire to, to work away from their business but if that is in fact your goal um, four hour work week by Tim Ferriss there might there, there's a lot of tools in there don't get me wrong but more than more than the tools is the mindset of figuring out every way possible to make this work if that's in fact your, your dream or your goal and that's the same thing with um like Dave Ramsey always says, and it's kind of same mindset is if you never have a credit card and you never borrow, you never borrow, you never have debt. And that's off the table. Then you, and you want to do this, 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 or this, you have to figure out how you're going to do it. How are you going to pay for that $3,000 car repair bill when you don't have a credit card? I don't know. But once you have that mindset, you, you're going to figure it out because what's the other, what's the alternative? curdling the fetal position. I mean, so, <laughs> I mean, that, that's ultimately where you're at, right? Yeah, and, and I, I just wanna chime in again uh, for all the people that are listening and we've got even more people that have joined in. Uh, I'd love to hear where you're from. Uh, if you've got comments or questions about what Bryce is talking about, uh, lo love to have Bryce uh, give his perspective on it. If there's a particular challenge that you're seeing, you know, whether it's employees or understanding the difference between that partner slash employee, the way Bryce talks about it. Um, ask, you know, or, or you know, say that you, you agree, you disagree. We'd love to understand what you all are thinking and how, how you all are receiving this. Um, Bryce, the, um, the thing that I, I'm, I'm hearing from all of this is, is the mindset, sh my, my, my mindset shift is something that you've got to make. It's something that happens over time. And a lot of it is leaning into your employees. And the only way you can lean into your employees is have that ground truth and understand what's happening all the time. So that you can say, I know what's happening. I can start spending more time with my employees. So automation uh, and understanding what is happening on the ground, that what I call the ground truth, is kind of the foundation for all of this to happen. And, and I think that's kind of going back to that data again, taking a look at that data and understanding that data on a regular basis. 
so that that's kind of the that's kind of the bedrock for this whole thing to work is you've got to know where where you stand all the time is that right yeah yeah i mean totally agree and that's in the early days of my business for the you know the first few years i would look at my numbers every single day sometimes multiple times a day and have goals and you know what am i going to do today what am i going to do this week what am i going to do this month um and, and just paying attention to that data I mean, in depth. And of, of course, that gets harder and harder the more and more employees you have, the more vehicles you have, the more data you have, which is why the automated systems become more and more important. Um, but yeah, I mean, those snapshots and then when you see that actionable data to be able to dig into that snapshot is I mean, priceless. I mean, it's got a lot of value to it. So I always like to give uh, some something that people can jot down and kind of have a take-home message, right? Because everyone is on this journey and various places give me a give me two or three things if if someone were to kind of start going down this journey i'll, I'll actually two, ask you two questions first is the questions that you would ask what questions would you ask them to see where they are and help them assess where they are in this journey and number now the second question i'll ask is what are sort of the three tips that you would uh, say hey start start to consider this so start with the questions what what questions would you ask an owner of a company to see if they're ready to start making this transition to a, a it's, it's not even really about just being remote. It's just the fact that you've used data to get you to a point where you can be remote. You have the option. Right. What are the questions that you would ask somebody to find out if they're ready to start making that transition to company run by the numbers, by the data? I've never met a business owner that didn't want the data, You know, didn't want the information. Um, but often they don't know what to do with the information once they have it, you know, that that's kind of the key, but to kind of go back to your original question, the, something I just went over with, um, my company recently was why, why do you want to do this? You know, I, I think there's actually a book called begin with the why in mind, or maybe that's part of a book, but, <laughs> um, that, that, that rings true to me ring, you know, because oftentimes as business owners, we're doing things and we don't know why we're doing them. And maybe if you were able to actually track down why that started six months ago, you realize, oh, <laughs> you know, let's fix that now. But, um, and so if someone wants to operate a company remotely, why do you want to operate remotely? You know, let, let's start there because ultimately that's what everything's going to build, build from. And um, now when you see the data and you say, does this get in the way of my why? You know, is this technician, you know, this technician, he takes 25 minutes on every stop and I really want him to take 20. So he's an hour slower or two hours slower than, than maybe the average technician every day. But everything else is just perfection. Am I going to keep drilling that technician, drilling that employee and trying to get them to move a little faster? Or am I going to meet them where they're at and adjust accordingly? You know, maybe that, maybe one of the other technicians gets paid a little more because he's able to move a little faster. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of options there, but that's ultimately, you need the data to be able to find out all of that. Because if you're managing by, I like to manage by my gut and I like to confirm with the data, right? Um, I, th I think managing with your gut is important. There's a lot of value you were gonna get there from your gut, but 
it's very easy to cross into too much <laughs> of the gut management if you're not backing it up with the data. So now personal feelings enter. So I tr tr when you say trust but verify, you know, you, you get get the idea in your your gut and you feel something, and then the second thing you do is all right, is is the data telling me the same thing? Is my gut feeling right? And if it is, all right, now I know what to do because I know my measuring stick, the why. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In essence, <laughs> that's that is it. I mean, like I say, without the data, you're you're going to be lost. I mean, you've got to have that day by day data. So give me uh, give me three things that you would. Uh, if someone says, "All right, I've been running this company for a while. I've been banging my head against the wall, or I, you know, I've been sitting at this level for some period of time. I'm ready to go from. I'm ready to shift from second to fifth gear. Right. I'm I'm ready to get going faster." Um, what are the first three things that you would suggest to them that they do? Oftentimes, if, if someone feels like they're just burning the candle at both ends and they just, you know, are spinning their wheels, they're stuck at, I don't know, a million dollars in revenue. That seems to be a big plateau for a lot of companies. They just can't get over that million dollar hump um, year in and year out. Oftentimes what I've noticed or, or, Feel like the the issue is, is is like like we were talking earlier the owner the entrepreneur whoever you know can't get out of their own way they they still want to have their hands in in micromanaging that entire business and you just can't do that there's just no way to build something big to build something great by by doing that um and again i can't speak to that a lot you know the big thing to build but the business i call my business it's a um Oh, now I lost it. Uh, <laughs> I think I had it in the bio. It, it, basically, you know, boutique? No, I don't know. Anyways, the, again, you have to be able to be okay with good enough. That's important. That's an important, important differentiator um, because a lot, of, a lot of the people, especially pest control, who start pest control businesses were really good technicians. And now they're trying to hire really good technicians, but they're not so good at training them how to be early technicians. And some people just don't have that capability to be as good as you. If they did, they wouldn't be working for you <laughs> in general. So I, I think one of the things I heard here is yeah, it, it, one of the keys is starting to understand your why. That's that's the guy. I mean, I was uh, making an analogy in a podcast I was doing one a couple of days ago about this idea of uh, David Robinson playing uh, NBA basketball and you know he said inside the paint that's my house right you you don't come into my house uh and if you do I mean I, I think he was part of the sultans of SWAT or something you know there was some name around <laughs> it. but I think what I'm hearing from you is kind of something that we talked about the other day is the data helps you figure out what you care about right so that you focus on just doing that alone as opposed to being all over the place what do you got to do what do you got to do what do you got to do and now that you've got this why as your measuring stick, you can take a look at that employee and figure out, yeah, do you, do you need to wrap them on the knuckles? Does it really matter? <laughs> um, but then now all of a sudden you can start to lean into that employee on all the other areas and tell them, you know, hey, you're a partner in this business um, as opposed to just a uh, just someone who, who, who collects a paycheck from you. So. Yes, and do not allow things to fester. That is another big, hmm. big mistake I see very consistently is, oh, he just did a little thing wrong here. 
up and then a day later he does another little thing wrong there and after a week's time or two weeks or a month or a year all those things have festered inside you as as the manager as the owner and now you let it all you let them have it whether you fire him or you know all the things go into that when if you had nipped it in the bud from day one it never would have festered into this gaping wound um that's something that took me a while to learn for sure uh, that and that you can learn that in a book you can learn you know all the things but that's something you got to learn with experience for sure that not to let things test or just nip it and go you know move move on that's interesting yeah i uh yeah i could probably do a lot more of that myself <laughs> <laughs> it takes a long time to figure that out but man it'll change it'll change your business well, uh, Bryce, uh, we're, I think we're coming up on our time here. I would, uh, first of all, just like to say thanks. I mean, I, I think I've, as always, whenever I talk to you, I, I always get a couple of nuggets this time since I got a chance to ask you more questions. Uh, I think I got more nuggets than usual, so, so thanks. Um, the pest control industry, it seems like it's been good to you. What do you, well, give me some forecasts. What do you, what do you think is going to happen to the pest control industry in the next couple of uh, you know, two, three, four, five years in terms of what you see and, and what should people in pest control look forward to? You know, if COVID's taught us anything, it's that pest control is pretty resilient. Um, at least most of the colleagues I've talked to are actually up this year. Um, and so I, I've been in it long enough now to see the 08 crash and now the, the COVID, which should have been crashed, or at least we, you know, we we're all worried it would be. And we've flourished as far as an industry as a whole. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, it's a not so secret hidden gem anymore. <laughs> Every year it passes, it seems more and more people know that, uh, you know, pest control is, is a great, great business to get into. Um, but yeah, it's definitely taken care of my family and, and been that, that, that lighthouse, you know, in the storm of, of, of just, no matter what, no matter where we go, no matter what we do, there's always going to be pest control there to <laughs> that I can work for somebody or start my own business or, you know, all the things that go into that. It's, it's yeah, companies give me a lot. I love this, love this industry. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't see, I mean, I think I read some stats somewhere that said for every human on earth, there's uh, 8 million bugs. <laughs> yeah, so, <Something> crazy. <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not going away tomorrow. I mean, Pest control is getting better. It's still not that effective yet. <laughs> yeah, no, bugs don't know about a pandemic and bugs don't know about a <laughs> financial right. services collapse, mortgage collapse, and they just keep on coming. Yeah, hail and brimstone, cockroaches are still walking around. <laughs> yep. It's yeah, a regular day. <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure. Well, hey, thanks a lot, uh, Bryce. Thank I appreciate you. Spending some time and kind of dropping some knowledge on us in terms of your experiences. <laughs> This is uh this has been good. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs>